Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal and some that aren't, I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Hesselin, Rothenberg, Farley, and Mercedes. On today's Miranda Warnings, we have as our guest Jill Choate Beyer, who's a founder of the firm Beyer & Associates, located in Lake Placid, New York. She focuses on personal planning, including estate and tax planning, an officer in the New York State Bar Association's Trust and Estates Law section, and she's also the principal draft person of legislation that was proposed by the New York State Bar and City Bar Association regarding the administration of digital assets. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's great having you here, Jill. I'd like to, uh, we're going to talk today about the uh, new law related to the administration of digital assets, mm-hmm. which has been described as uh, the most important law you've never heard of. <laughs> uh, and it governs uh, how and to what extent your family members uh, or the executor of, of your estate will be able to access online accounts uh, if you pass away or become disabled. So tell us a little bit about this new law, the Digital Assets Act, that involves digital assets uh, in a, in a for a person. Okay, so the the new article is actually um, in Estates Powers Trust Law Article 13A, if anybody's interested in looking it up. It's a pretty broad piece of legislation. Um, it has its own set of definitions, so uh, the first thing that I think is important for people to understand is what are digital assets. So you mentioned online accounts, and that's really just a small part of what the law governs. Um, it also governs uh, basically any um, electronic data that you might be um, storing on uh, a personal device, PC, um, or in the cloud. So it might be photos um, in a Shutterfly account or a Flickr account. It might be um, files that you're that are stored in Dropbox um, and the like. That's the, what we're talking about. And of course, um, what most people focus on is email accounts. So email messages that are transmitted back and forth, and those emails uh, messages that are stored in your online accounts. Um, a lot of people like to think that it's part that it's also your bank accounts. Um, it's not really um, to say that your fiduciary couldn't get access to the cash in an online bank account is not quite right. Um, of course, if you're uh, administering the assets of someone who's passed away, you'll be able to get at the cash in that um, bank account. You may not be able to look at it via the online access without um, this law. So basically, um, this law was was enacted in September of 2016, um, and it uh it basically provides some default rules for allowing um, the the four fiduciary roles, an an executor um, acting on behalf of a deceased person's estate, a trustee of a trust, an agent acting under a power of attorney, and a guardian acting acting on behalf of a ward. So those are the four fiduciary roles. So when I say fiduciary, I mean all four of those roles are rolled up into this um, piece of legislation. Um, And without it, Without this legislation, those none of those people would be able to access the digital assets of the people that they or estates that they represent. So, the law provides some default rules for that. So let's talk about what what happens then. So you mm-hmm. have someone that's got you know an active life, and these days an active life includes uh, an online mm-hmm. life and online assets, mm-hmm. uh, and they pass away perhaps suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, what happens? to those accounts. So they have, you know, you mentioned some, for example, so their social media accounts, 
Um, there's also, you know, online sure. uh, f- uh, photograph Photographs, accounts. Exactly. Or there's, you know, other files, valuable, yeah. you know, f- Sure. Online accounts with avatars that mm-hmm. some people Absolutely. put a lot of online gaming, mo- yeah. put a lot of money into. Some of these things can have can have some real value, particularly property. for for small business owners that uh, have a lot of their the data that they use to run their small business are is stored in the cloud. So what happens? Um, so what the legislation does it basically says um, if uh, if someone passes away, the executor of the estate will be able to access the the digital assets of that individual. Um, That is except for electronic communications. Now, this is a brand new law, so there's not been a lot of uh, case law out there um, interpreting some of these rules. Um, Electronic communications are those email accounts. So um, the default rules say, I can get access to um, files stored in Dropbox. I can get access to uh, pictures perhaps stored um, in an online account. Um, What I can't get access to is the the content of any electronic communications, any email accounts that uh, or messages that have gone or Twitter, Twitter messages, Facebook messages, none of that sort of thing can I get access to. Um, when I'm at the default, so like rules, the personal stuff, I can't is get. What you're yeah, saying. So basically, anything that was directed personally, either in an email or a direct message, or even if it was for be, business, yeah, that if you can't know, be if you're using a Gmail account executor. for your, so you're using a Gmail account, for example, for your personal business, um, I would not be able to get access to the content, even though that content may have critical pieces of information with respect to how you ran your business, um, you know, customer data or in, or inventory data, that sort of thing. Um, so without the the law says I can. I can get access to certain things not all things um, I can get access the default rule says I can get access to the record so I can call Facebook and they can give me just a one-liner of each communication maybe a little bit of information the well, date that, that sort though, of thing because so you're an executor I mean mm-hmm. you might not have passwords right mm-hmm. so you say you have the right to to get access to this mm-hmm. uh, how would you actually go about doing that so uh, each so, yeah so you're someone passes there's a will, mm-hmm. uh, and it says uh, you're the executor. Um, and Facebook, you, you want to contact Facebook or one of these other yep. uh, organizations. So unfortunately, each um, service provider, uh, meaning Google, Facebook, um, uh, Microsoft, um, all of those, um, will have their own set of rules for how they deal with this. Um, but basically, you're going to have to contact them, um, let them know that, that the individual's passed away. They're probably going to want a death certificate. Um, they may want, if the will, the will can provide that the executor ha, can get access to the content. And if the will says that, then then you can only, only in that instance can you get access to the content of that email message. So you'll have to send them the will. Um, and then even you after... Don't, do you need a court order? Well, after all of that, um, they can come back. The service provider in the law says that if the service provider can come back and ask for a court order um, establishing or directing the service provider to provide access to the content. Um, so it's the, the ball's in the service provider's court. They have the control over whether or not um, a, con- a court order will be required. Um, they also can ask for information um, that, can, that substantiates that uh, the deceased individual... Um, um, that belong to that email account. Not all of us have email accounts that are our names. Um, I use the example, I have a jillchokebuyer at gmail.com account. It's pretty obvious that that's mine. Um, I, also, <laughs> I also have another one that is jandb1558 at yahoo.com. 
Um, Yahoo is going to force that person who wants to get access to uh, to prove that that email account belongs to Jill Chope Buyer. So they can ask for that type of information as well. So um, it's not so simple um, to, to get access to this. And the service provider um, can actually say, after all of that, can say no. Um, and if they say no and uh, no, you can't have access and um, the executor feels like that's unfounded, they can go back to court um, and, and hash it out in the courts. Well, it sounds like a lot of a lot of work yes. to get to these things. But there is also, I think, increasingly value uh, when we're talking about online accounts, in addition to the, the more social ones, which are obviously important and sentimental, there's, uh, you know, you could be talking about credit card miles. Absolutely, or, yeah. Well, so, what about like Bitcoin? What about like Bitcoin? Yeah, Where Bitcoin that... is absolutely a digital asset. And I, and you know, and it's funny, the, the, the topic actually came to the fore because of the sentimental um, accounts that you're talking about, you know, people dying unexpectedly and family members wanting those Facebook photos that were posted or Facebook messages or email messages. Um, but you're absolutely right. So a lot of these digital assets can have real value. You mentioned the online gaming sites. You know, you can accumulate wealth in these online gaming um, sites. If you have um, a deceased individual who had a blog, um, that blog could be uh, – earning uh, advertising dollars through, um, you know, selling that uh, site to advertisers um, or click-through fees, that sort of thing. So absolutely, these things can have real value. Um, PayPal accounts can have built-up credits um, in them, you know, all sorts of things out there. And like I said earlier, for the small business owner, um, if I've got all, if I'm a small business owner and I have all of my customer um, data housed in uh, an online account, you know, stored in the cloud or inventory data stored in the cloud or my payroll system is entirely online, that sort of thing. Um, and suddenly no one can get access to that in order to keep the business running after I'm no longer around. Um, that can become very costly. Well, let's talk about that. So I'd like to look at it from the business perspective, but also from a personal perspective. So. If you're a business owner mm -hmm. and and you know that you have uh, all these accounts that are online that are crucial to the running of the business, what should you be doing in anticipation of your eventual? Passing? So um, I, I think uh, there are a number there are a few things that you can do. So um, a lot of uh, small business owners use Facebook as an example um, to post, particularly restaurants. You know, here's today's menu posted on Facebook. Um, put that Facebook account not in the name of the individual restaurant owner. Put it in the name of the entity itself. Um, Facebook and many other um, uh, service providers are accustomed to put. Uh, to using an entity name as the owner of an account instead of an individual. Um, and that way, when the something happens to the individual, anybody um, who is, you know, a, a, um, working in that, within that entity would be able to continue to have access to that, post messages, um, and that sort of thing um, in the event. And this doesn't mean that someone has to pass away. They could simply be um, ill in a hospital, you know, acting, in, it's an agent acting under a power of attorney because the person's not able to do so, so it's uh, not just in the in the instance of someone passing away. 
um, that that this might come or up or become disabled or become or disabled. otherwise exactly. unable to exactly to otherwise uh, yeah so one one way to deal with that would be to use um, use the entity name instead of the individual's name um, you can also do other things like Dropbox and um, Flickr and Shutterfly all allow for the ability to share files so I can take my account and I can share it with a family member and that way if something happens to me my family member has access to all of those photos that I have stored there um, or Dropbox if I have critical um, you know as a solo pra solo practitioner um, I have an encrypted Dropbox account um, where all of my um, my files are kept um, I can share that with some with another person um, well, like an administrator exactly in your or the executor of your estate perhaps um, right. and then they could have access to all of those files if I'm not able to access them and what about an individual who uh, wants to make sure that their memories are you know shared with uh, appropriate people in their family or their assets are shared yeah, so you know I when I talk about this um, when I when I talk about this to uh, groups of people I, I generally give advice that the the tech in industry will um, vehemently disagree with and that is I tell people to, to keep a record or a log of all of their IDs and passwords um, so that when they're not around someone has access to um, their IDs and passwords for all of their accounts so they can at least get into them and access them and either you know sometimes it's just a matter of shutting them down um, for privacy purposes you know to prevent identity theft that sort of thing um, if you're going to do that um, you should keep that um, that information either in an encrypted file um, or somewhere safe that not everyone can get at it um, and there are uh, lots of uh, services that provide encrypted um, uh, safe places to keep um, IDs and passwords for you, either on your phone or on your uh, uh, iPad or on your laptop. Is it enough if you say, you know, to a, a, a child or a grandchild, if you're elderly, that you trust, you say, here's all my passwords, you can if, I, if anything happens to me, I want you to go in and I'm going to explain to you my wishes. I want you to keep the photos. I want you to shut my other accounts down. Is that enough? Uh, does that suffice? Certainly, yeah. If, and if you're going to do that, so as a, you know, you would, you should put that language in any governing instrument. So you should put that language in a will. Let's say it's not in the will. It's just, I just took then, my grandson aside. So, and, you know, and it as with him. any, you know, as with any sharing of IDs and passwords, it's a slippery slope. And in the law, it actually prohibits um, the fiduciary from um, impersonating the the individual um, whose accounts they are accessing. So it's, you know, we need to be mindful that the fiduciary does have an obligation to, um, to protect those assets um, and obviously not to, you know, uh, impersonate the individuals. So they do have an obligation to, to, to not take it a step further than they need to just to administer the assets on behalf of that individual. So without, I mean, I think if, if you had all that information, um, as a practical matter, you would be able to get into the account and do what you need to do. Um, without the specific language in a governing instrument, you're probably running afoul of, um, federal privacy laws. Um, and if, uh, the service provider discovers that that you're doing that, then you run the risk of the account being shut down and all data being deleted. Um, so it's better probably just to work within the confines of the legislation that we have um, and work with the service provider. Well, we've been talking about how difficult it might be for you know one of your heirs to to access this, but then we have on the flip side the issue of how easy it might be for someone who is unrelated to actually engage 
in uh, you know absconding with someone's identity, using someone's identity who has who has uh, passed Absolutely. away, and apparently this is something that uh, we see quite regularly. Absolutely, and that's one of the one of the reasons why we pushed for the legislation because um, we feel like it's very important. Um, you know, right now there are there's a statistic out there that says you know by the year. Uh, 2030, I believe, there will be more deceased Facebook users than there are live ones um, because there are all of these accounts that just sit out there and nobody can can do anything with. Um, and it's not just Facebook. It's all email accounts. Um, so you take that information that's out there. No one's monitoring those accounts. Um, you couple that with the fact that you can get um, a deceased uh, uh, Social Security um, numbers get released um, by the uh, Social Security um administration regularly within uh, months after someone passes away. Um, you can, we have a tendency in, in our society when we publish, when someone passes away, they pub, we have a, you know, publish an obituary that has all kinds of personal information. Right. Mother's all, maiden name, all, yeah, names yeah, of all your the kids, family members your are, cats where they and lived, dogs, what they did yeah. for a living, where they grew up, you know, all kinds of personal information. So you take all those little tidbits of information, you get an account that's not monitored. Yes. Um, someone who knows what they're doing could be off to the races and, and take that identity theft. So we, you know, we push for this legislation to help prevent that. Um, and there are probably some other steps you should take, um, it, you know, if someone passes away, get the credit bureau reports immediately. So that's your baseline so that you know what credit was outstanding um, for that individual. And then you can continue to monitor that. Shut down their credit report so that, you know, right away if someone's um, trying to use um, that identity to establish a new so credit. So there's account. a way to notify the credit yeah, agencies? Yeah, all three credit agencies, yeah. Notify them the person has passed away. Um, get a report um, so that you have that baseline and then um, continue to monitor that so that you know something uh, has happened out there. Right. So you were integrally involved in the New York State Bar Association's efforts to get this uh, legislation uh, that uh, was eventually passed in September of 2016. You've, we've had now about two years to see its implementation. As you said, there hasn't been a lot of right. uh, court uh, battles over it, uh, but you've seen how it's been implemented. Is there anything that you are seeing now that you think needs to be addressed now in future legislation? So I think um, uh, one of the things that may, um, and I we may be a long way from uh, uh, from this happening, but I think one thing that we will ultimately have to revisit is this idea that the service provider can ask for a court order um, in any instance. Um, and in what we're seeing is that, in fact, in all instances, they will ask for a court order, even if there is language in um, the will that grants access to the executor, um, and the and the executor has gone through all of the steps to provide the information in accordance with the the law um, to gain access. The the service provider is still asking for a court order, um, and that sort of defeats the purpose of having of having the law because the law was there to sort of streamline the process. Um, reduce expenses, reduce, you know, the time that we have to spend in court to, to get at all of this stuff. And, and I, and I, we're seeing that it just, as a matter of course, the service providers are not willing to release any of this information without an order from the court. So under the law that's currently in place, uh, it sets forth certain standards for uh, gaining access and certain permissions for gaining access. Mm -hmm. But if the provider, for whatever reason, uh, decides that they 
don't want to go along with that, they can request a court order. Then the burden is on uh, the executor, uh, presumably, to get that court order, which can be very, uh, I, I think, could be difficult for, especially for someone that doesn't have a huge estate. Right. Uh, and, in, and in fact, that you know, it's what we've seen so far has been the very small ones are the ones, you know, that are really burdened the most. You have um, someone who's not represented by an attorney trying to go through the court system to get a court order just so they can get access to um, calendar contacts or um, uh, sorry, calendar entries or contacts so that they can, you know, figure out um, where all the assets are of the of the deceased individual. So that can be quite burdensome. So uh, can there be legislation proposed that would place the burden on the provider to say that the, you know, the, the, the will that you just gave me and the death certificate and the other background information is not enough um, and that they would have to have some, uh, you know, reasonable doubt that as to the the validity of what's being provided to them i think that um of course yes we could pass and we could pass legislation that would have more teeth i'll use that word in it if the service providers refuse to comply um or you know if you've you've satisfied all of the requirements of the statute um and i think we could have a law that um that doesn't give the service providers the ability to ask for a court order in all situations, virtually all situations. Um, I think we're a long way from that um, ever happening. The the um, the lobbyists for the tech industry are very, very powerful, um, and the federal law is such that um, I, that is what the service providers are, say they are, that's the reason, the impetus for their actions is the federal law act prohibits them from um, releasing content unless it's to um, a, a uh, lawful, um, uh, someone's got lawful consent of the original account holder. Um, and even though the will is, we would consider that as lawyers. We would say, I have a will, and the, the and I'm saying in my will, I'm giving you, David, as my executor, my consent to get access, and the service providers are still saying, no, um, that's not lawful consent. So we certainly could have a, a law that's that's um, stricter and, and would put more impetus um, on the service providers to to establish why they're not complying. But right. I think some of that comes back to the federal privacy laws that are at the heart of it. And you can you can understand from the service provider's perspective, there's not really much downside for them to asking for a court order uh, because A, they don't have to do anything until they get that, and B, they're getting pressure on the other side, on the privacy side. Absolutely. That there's these fraudulent accounts, and so they can provide, I mean, that provides them with a certain amount absolutely. of cover yeah. uh, as well. Because absolutely. It's not just get, the tech industry. They're it going is to get hit on the other side. Absolutely. The privacy the privacy advocates are um, are against um, uh, against giving out this kind of information. You know, their, their concern is about um, the third parties who, um, you know, their privacy, someone who was sent an email message and now now suddenly I've got um, access to the content of an email message that was sent to a third person who's still around. Um, now I'm, I'm invading their privacy because I saw the message that was to them or a message that they sent to the deceased individual. So it, the, yeah, it's, it's really complicated. 
Um, the law is clearly not caught up with the way we all live our lives every day. Um, so I, that's why I say I think we're we're a ways from having uh, a law where we can where it's automatic, where this just happens. I think we're we're going to have to struggle through um, getting everyone comfortable with what this means, what it means for um, a fiduciary to have access to this kind of um, information. Right, and this law certainly helps in providing awareness uh, both to attorneys that are drafting. Uh, these wills, as well as to the public, uh, that may want to protect their their digital assets. It does, and it's also helpful that you know this law. the The basis of the New York law was a was a law that was developed by the Uniform Law Commission, and there are almost forty states that have passed some um, version. Um, mo- most of the states are verbatim what the Uniform Law Commission um, established. So it helps that there are um, all, we have almost all fifty states with this um, legislation on their books um, that will certainly help um, make it consistent across uh, across the country. Great. Well, thank you very much, Jill. Uh, Jill Choate-Byer of Byer & Associates of Lake Placid, a state planning attorney and uh, someone who has uh, worked very hard on the legislation regarding the administration of digital assets. Thank you very much, Jill, for, thank you. for being thank you with for us. Me. We have uh, a feature on Miranda Warnings called Movie book or music where you can share with us uh, an artistic performance of of any kind that you think uh, might be of some interest uh, to our listeners and and means something to you oh gosh well so you know it's hard for me to choose a favorite what i tend to what i tend to have are favorite um artists so uh, one of my favorite actresses is meryl streep so basically any movie she's ever been in i love one of my favorites of hers is out of africa um, the scenery, the story, um, the music, um, and of course it won a whole, uh, several uh, Academy Awards. That's one of my favorites. And then I have to say, and Reese Witherspoon is another person who I absolutely love. And my guilty pleasure with hers is Legally Blonde, for uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I went to law school late in life, and while I was in law school, that movie came out, and it just was sort of resonated with all of us. Is that uh, what inspired you to go into the law? I was Legally actually not <laughs> Legally Blonde. No, <laughs> I was already in law school when okay. Legally Blonde came out. So we just. Uh, we all related to her uh, her trials and tribulations going through law school at that time. So. Well, those are two very uh, <laughs> wonderful <Diverse>. act- <laughs> actresses, and you're you're in for a treat because they're going to be appearing together on a, a new series, uh, Big Little Lies, yeah, right? Big and Little Meryl Streep right. is going to be joining Reese Witherspoon Absolutely. as well. So yeah. that should be very exciting for you. Well, wonderful. Uh, thank you very much, Jill, for, for joining us thank and sharing you. uh, your thoughts and experiences regarding the protection of digital assets. Thank you. This has been the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings for all things legal and some that aren't. <laughs>